1: The old world is dying. The new world struggles to be born. Now is the time of monsters. With those words from Gramsci, I welcome you to the Time of Monsters podcast, hosted by the Nation magazine and available wherever you can listen to podcasts. Um, so the midterms are still unfolding, uh, but now it looks like Democrats have held the Senate. Um, they'll have at least 50, and with the Georgia runoff, could have 51. Uh, and amazingly, the house is still undecided, and there's a you know, possibility, um, not Likely, but still within the realm of possible that the Democrats could hold the House. Uh, and if the Republicans do win the House, they'll have like a nightmare scenario of like a one or two seat advantage, which will make it be impossible for them to do anything. Uh, so this is like a much better result than many people were expecting. Uh, and um, now the postmortems are being done, uh, and uh, it's turning out that like uh, you know the issue of abortion. Um uh after the Dobbs decision is turning out to be like a key kind of um factor. Uh Nate Cohen did a analysis in the New York Times, uh basically looking at states where abortion was very salient for a variety of reasons. Uh, Michigan is one example where a kind of old uh law came into fore, um uh which was very restrictive, and that made it very pertinent to have Like an anti abortion referendum. Um, And the Democrats very outperformed in places like Michigan. Uh, And conversely, they did not do as well in places where abortion. Uh, was not uh, salient. Uh, And so I think this is a good time to revisit this debate because it's actually a debate um, across the political spectrum. There were Republicans who were saying like, oh no, Dobbs is not going to hurt us. Uh, The the People don't care about this. People in uh, blue states, uh, they'll have their abortion rights and red states, they want this, so it's not going to hurt us. And there were also... um, Unfortunately, Democrats who kind of basically agreed with that line of thinking, uh, and you know, uh, there's like Tim Ryan, who you know is like uh, ran what some people thought was a decent race in Ohio where he lost for the Senate, but he was as a test case for the opposite of Michigan, where he basically tried to downplay abortion, and he told New York Magazine, um. Even though people are supportive of reestablishing Roe v. Wade, it's an economic problem that people have. You look disconnected from the needs and anxieties of average people, even if they agree with you on the wrongness of the Dobbs decision. Our most pressing need is paying the bills. So he's he's putting forward the argument, we we shouldn't be talking about abortion. We should be talking about economics. Uh, Now, I think that's been pretty... Effectively disproven, but I wanted to bring in a voice who's basically been arguing this all along, uh, counter to the Ryan thing, uh, which is uh, uh Myra Donegan, uh, the uh, columnist, uh, U.S. columnist for the Guardian, uh, who's a very strong voice on a range of feminist issues, uh, including reproductive freedom. Uh, so uh, let's start with this. What do you think of what Tim Ryan said?
2: Uh, well, gee, thank you for having me. Uh, it's really wonderful to be here. I'm a big fan of the podcast. Uh, and Tim Ryan is wrong. This is kind of a conventional wisdom that emerged um, among like, as you were saying, Republicans, but also a certain kind of uh, sort of obsessively centrist Democrat uh, that, you know, this election was going to be about the economy. This election was going to be about inflation. It was going to be about pocketbook issues. And that things like Dobbs and to a lesser extent, you know, like democracy concerns uh, were going to be secondary and that Democrats would focus on them uh, to their peril. And in fact, what we've seen in the aftermath of Tuesday's elections is that, you know, the sense of GOP extremism, the sense of uh, civic protections, a democratic form of government, being under threat uh, was actually incredibly salient to voters. And it formed this sort of complex of distaste and negative partisanship towards Republicans and fear about the future that it it turned out to be incredibly motivating for Democrats. And the Democrats who did the best were the people, uh, I'm thinking of Gertrude Whitmer in Michigan, who um, I thought really sort of flawlessly integrated abortion into her campaign. Uh, you know, the the people who did, the Democrats who did best were the people who really um, juxtaposed Republican values with American values and showed them to be lacking, you know? Um, so, and, and, you know, there's also the sort of false dichotomy of abortion on the one hand and economics on the other, which is something that you hear a lot, candidly, from men who have uh, not had to uh, plan their, earning lives and their economic uh, futures around their own reproduction in this way that is, I think, like incredibly real for half the country and slightly more half, more than half of voters, you know, American women uh, know how hard it is to work and have a child. They know uh, about the economic and career setbacks that American women face when they Have when they first become mothers, and then when they have subsequent children, uh, they know about how expensive daycare is, and they know about uh, how expensive pregnancy is, and how debilitating pregnancy can be. And you know, this is um, this is not separate from economic lives. This is uh, like deeply entwined with women's economic lives in in a way that I, you know, if we had maybe a more gender egalitarian uh system of like parenting in a lot of american families uh it might not have been so salient if we had more uh government investment in things like daycare and health care it might not have been so salient like maybe people wouldn't have uh, felt so strongly about um losing control over their own bodies if we had more investment that uh public investment in the things that you need to take care of a child i think that's a little bit of wishful thinking on the part of uh, a certain section of the democratic party but i do think that you know this is very much an economic issue. This is very much a pocketbook issue. But it's also, candidly, a dignity issue. Um, these are voters, this is half the country, who have been dignified and enriched and raised into a level of full citizenship by the Roe decision and, and, and have been trusted in uh, areas where there is abortion access to make adult decisions about the course of their own lives, and having that taken away is profoundly frightening. It's profoundly destabilizing, but it's also just deeply, deeply insulting uh, to be rendered a kind of child, to be rendered less uh, deserving or or worthy of of making decisions about uh, the course of your own life, what kind of person you're going to be, what kind of life you're going to live, uh, in a way that I think people, you know, maybe hadn't expected politics to really change the status of of their own dignity the way that it did until it did. Um, So, you know, I think there's a really firm economic argument to be made about abortion rights, but there's also a democracy argument to be made about abortion rights. There's also a, you know, American values argument to be made about abortion rights that um, the most successful Democrats made.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's right. and I really um, am glad you used the word integrated um, uh, because I think that there, I mean, one thing I worried about in the course of the election was that like, I didn't think all the Democrats, especially sometimes Biden in his speeches was kind of bringing the themes together in a way that like, you know, told a coherent story. But I mean, the way you presented it, the way some can, uh, candidates like uh, Whitmer presented it, um, it is a totally integrated thing because um the uh you know the attack of Roe is also like a huge democracy uh issue. Uh you know, like just think about how those uh, justices got on the courts to overturn uh 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 outstanding precedent of 50 years uh you know through the election of 2016 through trump and through the gop aligning itself with, with this authoritarian movement um so so democracy and abortion go together and as you explained very beautifully um economics and abortion go together and it almost seems like even if the democratic party didn't always make those links people were able to make those links themselves like um so, so I, I think that that's like um, uh, hugely important. And, and maybe like going forward, like do you think like there are ways to uh, make these links?
2: Oh, yeah. No, I think we've seen it done by some campaigns. And, you know, I think it's easy to, you know, I think I think it's a fair assessment of this election cycle to say that it's not so much that the Democrats won as that the Republicans lost. Uh, but it's very easy to say, you know, Democrats insufficiently, linked abortion to uh these other concerns that were at the top of democrats minds and and voter voters minds and voters sort of had to make those links themselves um but some some campaigns really did (laughs) like there's uh, the the democrats in this cycle were not a monolith there was different strategies in different places and i think what you saw was that it was most successful when the Dobbs decision was painted as a part of a broader GOP drift towards extremism and away from sort of normal concerns towards this sort of anti-democratic, sadistic, uh, you know, white identity obsessed,, um, you know, w- w- weirdo culture <laughs> that has has come to dominate uh, the GOP. In, in a lot of these races and I think that was you know it was profoundly off-putting to people and it's not what Americans many Americans seem to actually want there's a large majority that wants stable democratic norms that wants uh you know civil rights that can be uh <laughs> relied upon that won't disappear overnight uh that wants a version of you know peaceful pluralism that is not uh really consistent with the, the republican uh vision of the future and so you know i think there's a there's a broader uh sort of matrix of intolerance and sadism and weirdness coming out of the republican party that i think can be quite deftly integrated with their like increasingly potent misogyny and you know a lot of people don't like it it's it's easy to get into sort of the mindset of like, we need to go to yet another diner in rural Ohio and talk to yet another Trump voter. uh, And to think that, you know, that um, sort of one third of the country that is a really enthusiastic and committed, you know, Trump base is somehow more legitimate or more authentic or more really American than, you know, um, liberal Democratic voters. But the fact is that, like, it's a big country. The parties sen- tend to, like, hold about equal amounts of political power, but it's not equal in terms of who's on what side. Like, those Republicans are a minority. The Trump Republicans, the white nationalist Republicans, the committedly anti-choice Republicans, you know, um, they're, not, they're not most of the country. They, they hold outside political influence, but they're not the majority of the country.
1: Yeah, no, no, I'm really glad you brought the weirdness of the Republicans, because this is something that's kind of bothered me. There's a kind of discourse which the Republicans use, but also some centrist Democrats who in their own war against uh, the the more progressive and left wing of their party use, which is that Democrats are out of touch, that there's too many college educated people who have these weird values are really into like uh, academic. atomic jargon and trans rights and and there and people and normal uh the Americans look at them as freaks but you know like you look at this election result and like who's the freaks here like i in, in a lot of ways a lot of the re- republican culture war politics including the anti trans stuff, like it looks incredibly weird and freaky to like you know a lot of america and i think it really hurt the um gop and it it, it uh, was connected with Um, it's one of these ways in which the linkages are able to be made. Because you can think that, you know, wow, they took away abortion rights. Like, what are they going to take away next? Are they going to take away, you know, uh, same-sex marriage? Are they going to take away? And if they're targeting trans people, you know, who else are they going to target? So there's a way in which like this, um, uh, I I think people underestimated just how weird some of these Republican candidates look to ordinary people. I mean, I think it's something like Blake Masters, you know, who's like, was basically regurgitating incel memes as, you know, a part of this. Um, and I, I, it's interesting, uh, and it maybe something you can bounce off of, but I actually think it's actually going to get worse because what I'm seeing now on the sort of radical right, uh, the, the Trumpian right, is a lot of like outright misogyny of blaming single women, that this is seen like the single women are the ones who like vote for Democrats. And I'll just quote from this guy, uh, Joel Berry, who's like runs the Babylon Bee of uh, an alleged humor site, which I guarantee you has never made anyone laugh. Uh, but uh, he's a kind of very prominent culture warrior on the right. And he tweeted out, unmarried women in America are lost, miserable, addicted to SSRIs and alcohol, racked with guilt for, from abortion and wandering from partner to partner. They are the Democrats base now. And Democrats will do everything possible to manufacture more of them um and i'll just note like what does this mean to manufacture more of them because you manufactured unmarried women by having a daughter right like you just like <laughs> <laughs> so 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 like so. anyways anyways uh so does he want like people not to have daughters it's, it's it's like but 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 i think that that um but yeah do you want to talk about like about this kind of republican weirdness and um and do you agree with my sense that it's just going to increase
2: yeah you know it's that it's I, I also saw that quote on on Twitter where he uh advertised it um and it, it certainly strikes me that that's not the way you talk about people you're trying to get to vote for you right there is a sort of open contempt among um Republicans for adult women that is um you know really. It's. I can't say it's surprising because it's been reflected in their policies for so long. Um, and, you know, gender grievance among men is something that they are trying to cultivate and cash in on. You know, there was a lot of um, talk about, you know, the shift of voters of color towards Republicans that was anticipated in this uh, election. And it did materialize to some degree, but it was only men of color, like almost overwhelmingly men of color who have moved republican women of color are staying with the democrats and um you know it shows that gender grievance is something that they are willing to the republican party is willing to lean into to try and um cultivate the loyalty of male voters uh but the thing about women is that they vote they actually vote a little more than men than men do um and they don't uh enjoy being talked down to they don't enjoy being uh told that they are you know, monstrous and need to have their rights taken away. Uh, despite, you know, a lot of trad wives on TikTok, there is in fact not a lot of popular appetite for this return to um, housewifery and like sort of segregation of genders and uh, female dependence on men. Uh, there's, you know, not... Uh, like People don't want to be... Stepford wives. <laughs> um, and that is sort of what uh the Republican Party is offering uh to women and scolding women into into becoming. Uh, in terms of do you think it's gonna get weirder? Yeah, I kind of agree with you. You know, there's one of the postmortems that's coming out, and this like sort of um post-midterm conventional wisdom that's starting to emerge in these days since the election is that like the republicans really want to pivot back to normal right like they think that trump is an albatross for them they think they've got these quote-unquote candidate quality issues um and they think that you know if they keep running these like it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again candidates like blake masters uh that they're gonna lose and i think that they they you know, will continue to lose in a lot of generals, but they are stuck with these guys in the primary, uh, because their their core base, their primary voters are um white men with a ton of resentment against women, uh, you know, people with uh racist paranoia, um, people who spend a lot of time on the internet, you know, these are constituencies that are um sort of of outsized influence within the republican party it's interesting that you bring up sort of the conventional wisdom from like sort of the popularist pundit class right who are saying uh democrats are too in their liberal bubble they need to sort of um uncouple themselves from these coastal elites who are interested in things like pronouns etc etc because there's actually like kind of a parallel um phenomenon happening in the republican party that i think might actually be more potent uh for them is that they are becoming more and more isolated and more and more beholden to their extremist base that is like actually quite alienating to a lot of voters uh and they have this problem of how to get better candidates in general elections when they're like chained and bogged down by these creeps in the primary. So I think, um, you know, I think that the Republicans. I'm sure that the donor and pundit class will try and convince the Republican Party to rally behind DeSantis um, instead of Trump for the upcoming 2024 election. I don't know how like how that'll work because they tried to do that in 2015 and couldn't get rid of Trump then either. Um, and also like DeSantis is like as creepy and politically extremist as Trump, but kind of without any of the charisma or humor. So I'm actually not sure. It's like if Trump wasn't funny, it would be Ron DeSantis. Um, And so I'm not sure how much he'll be able to um, animate that creepy, grievance-motivated, misogynist base if he uh, makes a run for the president. I think that that is still Trump's crowd.
1: Yeah, no, no, you, you raised a bunch of things that uh, uh, are really pertinent, one of which is I think people need to understand that <clears throat> what the Republicans have done over the last decade, especially, is the kind of harvesting of grievances through online culture. And I think, I don't know if enough people have picked up on this, but the guy who allegedly attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, uh, he say, traces his own radicalization back to Gamergate. Which was this kind of like you know, like absurd misogynist conspiracy about video games, uh journalism or whatever. Uh, uh and but Gamergate was very important for trying to, you know, find these aggrieved men online and organizing it politically and drawing them in towards the political right. Um, and these are many men who are probably previously apolitical or just kind of um, uh, anti-system in general, but not on the right. And uh, now they have them and it's going to be a problem. And I think that one way to maybe um, circle back to where we were talking about with DeSantis and and abortion is that now there's um, a supermajority of Republicans in Florida and they are pushing for like tighter uh, abortion restrictions in Florida. And DeSantis is the governor. He's going to have to like, you know, like, what's he going to do if it's like, you know, more restrictive than even what a lot of Republicans uh, across the country want? He's going to have to sign it, though, like, you know, like if he wants to hold on to that evangelical base. And that's the dilemma right there. Like, how can DeSantis um, and like, you know, they want to have DeSantis rather than Trump, the Republican establishment, the donors. But like, let's say there's a primary. And let's say, you know, it's DeSantis, Trump, but also Pence is going to run. And Pence says, we need a nationwide uh, ban on abortion. Is like, DeSantis going to be on stage there saying, like, we can't do that? No, because that would alienate the base that he needs to win the primary. Um, But yeah, so... Uh, Maybe this would be a good place to kind of like uh, end the discussion on. But like like um, I think it's important to understand, like how beholden the Republicans are to that, like, you know, evangelical base that has been stirred up on abortion, has been told for 50 years that this is murder. And are, the, are these people suddenly going to be able to like accept like, you know, a oh, uh, uh, compromise on that? Uh, what do you think?
2: I mean, no, like the the next time there's Republican trifecta uh, controlling the House, Senate and the and the White House, there will be a national abortion ban. Uh, And and it might, in fact, come sooner with the court that we have, because, you know, I think what the anti-choice movement learned from. Tuesday's elections is that, you know, they're going to face a lot an uphill battle if they try to ban abortion electorally. So why not go through an anti-democratic avenue like the courts where they have had a lot more success? And, you know, I think you're you're gesturing towards something broadly uh, in over the like the politics of the past, I would say like 30 years, which is that Democrats and the left have walked away from gender. They've walked away from uh, trying to animate voters around feminist causes. Uh, and the right has not walked away from gender, particularly in the past, you know, five, 10 years, they've leaned really hard into gender grievance. And I think what we saw in this um, this past week's election is that there's really an opportunity and and, and quite a bit of an appetite for a pro gender equality affirmative message that it will resonate with voters. It won't turn them off. It will like seem it can seem common sense and american and wholesome to say we want women to have equal participation and opportunities in society we don't want to be looking at your kids genitals before we let them play you know peewee baseball uh you know and it's there is a we we want uh your gay neighbors to be able to get married and raise their kid without fear of the kid being you know taken away or their marriage dissolved by a by a you know revanchist sadistic court like these are um these are family values messages. They just have to be uh, presented in the correct way because it's the it's the Republicans who are really uh, sadistic against women who are in everybody's family. <laughs> Everybody knows them. Most of us, many of them uh, of us are in fact women ourselves, and uh, it's not popular to go after women the way that they have found themselves trapped and having to
1: do. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that's a big takeaway that, you know, like abortion rights are popular and I would actually like maybe even underscore that they're more popular than the Democratic Party itself. That like if you have places where uh, this is put to a referendum, you know, like a lot of um, like, you know, Kansas, like like it will do better than the Democrats themselves do in elections, because there's a lot of like, you know, Republicans and independents who won't vote for Democrats, but who will vote for reproductive freedom. So, like, why would you not take an issue that's more popular than your own party and run with it? I I, I think that's uh, exactly the right takeaway. So um, uh, thank you for uh, being on the podcast. Uh, 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 I, I think we covered a lot of ground, but this. More to th- uh, uh, a lot more that can be said about all this, but um, so I, I hope you come back at some point. I'd
2: love to. Thank you. This was really fun.
0: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at HereYouAreAZ.com.